Today's message, a title, it just hit me last night. I titled it, Resilience in the Name of Jesus. Resilience in the Name of Jesus. Resilience. Resilience. Everybody say resilience. Many of us, we're, we're, we're doing what we can to keep going. And we're trying to appear on the outside like we are okay. But inside, maybe we are ready to resign. And I'm asking you this morning to once again call on the name of Jesus. There's a message of hope today for you. God is faithful. He's faithful to you, to you who have been a Christian your whole life, to you who became a Christian this year, to you who have not made that decision yet. God is faithful. I just felt so strongly reading our teaching text for today that God wants you to know that he is faithful to his promises and we have an activation to the promises of God that is the name of Jesus. So maybe you're stretched, maybe you're in crisis, maybe you are distressed, maybe you're a bit disoriented with life right now, maybe life is stagnant, maybe you feel hopeless, maybe you have considered giving up. I'm asking you today to once again call on the name of Jesus, to step out in resilience on the name of Jesus. I'm not asking us to deny our circumstances, to pretend like they don't exist, to act like we've never just messed it all up. I'm not saying put your head in the sand. I'm not inviting us all into wishful thinking. This message today is not a get well soon card. I'm not inviting us into the power of positive thinking. This is me asking you to take a step towards resilience, to dig down deep within, to stand up straight and with hope-filled confidence speak the name of Jesus. I declare as the prophet Isaiah did in Isaiah 35, 1 through 7, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful of heart, be strong, do not fear, here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall come a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of Water. You see all our water on the stage that Pastor Mark bought and laid out for us to remind us every week of this concept of water and wells that we've been talking about. The thirsty ground shall turn to springs of water. 
What a beautiful description of God's plan for humanity that we see declared through the prophet Isaiah. We must, listen to me, church, and I'm just, I hope you didn't come today for another message. I hope you didn't come today just to check this off your list for the week. I hope you're not here just taking up space and and, and just spectating today. I'm inviting you to participate in, in, in standing upon the name that is above every other name in the name of Jesus. We must set our hope on the beauty of God's glorious faithfulness towards us, the immense promises that we have in Christ Jesus. There's an invitation on the, on the table today to participate in walking towards hope. And I don't know how you came in today. I'm not sure what your situation is, but there is an invitation. You have walked into a possible hope encounter today, found in the person of Jesus. You have walked into the service today with the opportunity to encounter a living hope. Not just a hope that was, not just a hope that could be in the future, but a hope for today, for where you are, for what's going on in your life. A hope that we find in scripture, a hope that we find in the person of Jesus. It's the way forward. It's how we remain resilient through our mistakes, perseverant in the midst of chaos and disappointment. It's how we find water in dry places. The enemy of our souls cannot do anything about God's promises, his blessings, the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. The enemy of our souls cannot do anything about who God is, but he sure can try to cut off our access. He can try to stop up our access. He can try to frustrate us when we're weary. He can try to discourage us in our pursuit of Christ Jesus. He can try to lure us towards sources that don't lead to flourishing. As Bishop T.D. Jake says, are you going to the well that pacifies or to the well that satisfies? And so has the enemy lured you to our pacification well or are you going to the satisfaction well? Are the sources that you go to in your time of discouragement and frustration and disappointment, is it leading to your flourishment or is it ultimately leading you to exploitation. Our world is set up on it. Our world is built upon exploiting us, humans exploiting each other, and it's been that way since the beginning, but there is a God who loves you, who cares about you, who's for you, and has plans for you, and he will lead you and guide you, and water will break forth even in the dry lands. So don't get weary. Don't start settling, settling for pacification when there's satisfaction in the person of Jesus. Jesus. We have to remain steadfast. And we've been in a series about Isaac and his wells found in Genesis 26. And we're going to read there in just a moment. But before we do, let me give context for the area of the Bible that we are in. See, we're talking about wells and wells represent vitality. It's not a luxury, these wells that Isaac has. In Isaac's time, this is necessity, right? It's not just a luxury, this is necessity. A thriving community needed a well. And so, in this time, we read that there's a famine in the land. Isaac heads to Gerar, a place God says he will be blessed in. God gives him this promise. He says, don't go down to Egypt, go here, and you'll be blessed, and I'll be with you. So God makes promise to him. And so, Isaac goes, and Isaac stumbles a little bit, right? 
when he gets there, he lies. He lies about who his wife Rebecca is, just as his father Abraham lied, so that we might remember not to repeat the sins of those who come before us, right? So Isaac lies about Rebecca and, and, and King Abimelech, the king of the land, the Philistine. He's very upset, but he allows Isaac to stay. Isaac stays, and he's, it's the, the Bible says he sows seed in the land, and he reaps that year, a hundredfold harvest in the land that year. He's very prosperous. Now, King Abimelech does not like that. The Philistines go around filling in all of Isaac's wells. And Abimelech tells him to leave. He says, go, you're too prosperous. I don't like it. You become too powerful. You become too prosperous. Go. And the Philistines are going around and they're just filling in with earth. They're filling in these wells. And so go he does and he heads away from the main population of Gerar out to a valley in Gerar. And we'll pick up in verse 18. It says in verse 18 that Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. He dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of his father's Abraham. Sometimes we have to return to the wells of the generation that have come before us that have already been done. Isaac, he's now been pushed out of this land. He's out in the valley and he returns to what he knows. He returns to the legacy. He knows my father dug wells here. I'm gonna go dig wells here, right? And so for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham and he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants hear this, dug in the valley, when Isaac's servants dug in the valley, and when I read it, I had to stop there. And I'm reading it to y'all today, and I have to stop there because I just felt like we needed to call attention to something. Isaac's servants, they dug in the valley. He's been kicked out of the land he was prosperous in. But here he is, his people digging in the valley. I don't know about you, but I just think sometimes in my life, I'm waiting to get out of the valley before I try to press into what God has for my life. I'm waiting for the circumstance to get better before I call upon the name of Jesus. I can be a perfectionist. So if the conditions are not right, then maybe God won't show up. There's no water to be found here, so there's no point in digging. Maybe that's what the Philistines were doing. How does Isaac keep hitting these wells in the valley in the midst of a famine? He's digging. He's digging, but maybe we're not hitting wells because we're in the valley and we're thinking there's no water to be found here. What's the point of even digging, right? I'm going to wait until my circumstance has changed for the better, and then I'll start digging. I'll wait until things have turned around and conditions are better, then I'll call upon the name of Jesus. Maybe God has called you to dig right where you are. Maybe the situation of life that you're in is the exact place where God wants you to dig. Maybe the area of life, find where your feet are, look where your feet are planted and begin digging right there, right? Maybe God's brought you to this place. You're not in the prosperous place anymore that you were. And that's sad. And I'm sorry about that. It was great there. You were doing wonderful there. You had a hundred fold increase into what you were doing and what you were so 
going there, but you've been driven out and you've been pushed out and that's just the circumstances. And now you're in the valley. Now you're in this place. And now you can either decide, well, you know what? There's nothing for me here. Or you can begin digging right where you are. I know it's not fair being in the valley. But if God was faithful then, if God was faithful at that time, what stopped him? Your geographic location, what stopped him? His faithfulness is from generation to generation. I mean, it says he dug again the wells of his father Abraham. There were wells dug here at Christian Renewal by some of you still here and some no longer here. A generation prior dug deep wells here at Christian Renewal Church. In our generation, we must look at the work of prior generations who dug deeply and found water and believed the same God. We must carry on with faith in his purpose for our church for this city, for our families. And so it says, they dug again and they dug in the valley and they found there a well of spring water. In verse 20, the herders of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herders saying, the water is ours. So he called the well Essek and Pastor Mark talked about that well last week because they contended with him. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one also. So he called it Sitna. And that's the well we're talking about today. He moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. Listen to me, pause. There's always a well. Get it in your spirit today. There's always a well. Get out of this poverty mindset that (laughs) they took my well. There's always a well. I serve the God of abundance. There's always a well. My God makes a way. There's streams in the desert. There's wells that I don't, that that nobody knows about, that that he knows about. I don't need, I'm not concerned about that. Well, they took that well and they took that well and they've been filling in all these wells. I mean, the Philistines have just been filling in wells, filling in wells. And listen, when the enemy can't fill in your well, he just take it from you, right? Hey, Okay, take it. Apparently I didn't need it anyways because there's another well. My, my posture, my role, my job is to keep digging. And if you take that well, it's okay. I'll come dig over here. There's another well. There's always a well. And where there's a well, there's a way. And we know who the way is. The way is Jesus. He's the way to truth. He's the way to life. And so there's always a well. So I'm just going to keep digging. I'm just going to keep digging. Listen. This is where we find this strange back and forth between my works and God's faithfulness. My obedience and his promises. Which one chicken before the egg, right? 
Which one is it? Which one gets the other one? What's the equation? Is it, is it that I'm faithful so then, so then he'll be faithful or is it I'm waiting on him to be faithful and then I'll be faithful? I step out and it'll be, how, do, how does it work? They are, they are so intertwined that they are basically one. That I dig because he's faithful and he's faithful so I dig. And so I'm gonna keep digging and, and it's not my works that's producing his faithfulness and producing the well but I know that as I continue digging, he's gonna be faithful and there's gonna be a well. And so I, so, so I keep working because listen, God is, God is faithful. But, but, but listen, God's, God's faithful, but I'm not gonna hit any wells if my shovel's on the ground over there. God's faithful, but, but I'm not hitting any wells if my well's in the shed. And, and I'm just wondering, and, and I'm, and I'm I'm, I'm inviting us into hope today, right? I'm trying to exhort myself before you today. Because listen, I, I've wanted to just go ahead and put my shovel up. It's like, God, I'm tired of digging. It just, it just seems like each time I do, it just gets taken or it gets filled back in. I'm getting discouraged. I'm getting weary. And just as I've looked over this and I've looked at Isaac God's inviting us to keep digging. Not just to toil with no vision or no direction. He's inviting us to keep digging because he's faithful. And there's always a well. There's a well for you. There's a well for you. And I'm pausing for a moment because there's a bit of hesitation towards that. Because some of us feel like God's left us and passed us by. Because probably everything about your life circumstances, situation says, yeah, there's no wells here. I'm in the valley. I'm in the driest part of the valley. And so to hear, I gotta keep digging. Church, I'm asking you to pick up your shovel. Keep digging. And don't worry about the circumstance. Don't worry about the accusation. Don't worry about the hatred of the enemy. Don't worry about what, 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 what this person's saying or what that person's saying. Don't worry. You keep digging because there's always Oh well. Like I already mentioned, if the enemy can't stop the water, he'll try to stop your access to the water. And so in the town of Gerar, where Isaac was prosperous, the Philistines filled in all his wells, and now he's in the valley. And the Philistines, they're just taking his wells. So what's his response? And this is where I want us to really home in on as we consider resilience in our lives. Because there's a, there's a big enemy to resilience and, and it's bitterness and it's anger and it's frustration, right? So does Isaac in this story, does he fight them over it? Does he seek vengeance? Does he go around in the middle of the night, well, y'all gonna fill in my well, I'll fill in your well. How do you like that? 
You take my well, I'll take your well. Well for a well. He's already driven to the valley. They claim one well as theirs. He names it Essek, which means contention or arguing. So he digs another, and they claim that one as well. And he names it Sitna, hatred or accusation. The contention and arguing moves to hatred and accusation. We see that like with each well, it's leveling up the division, the hatred zone, the discord, the accusation. So what does he do? He digs another well. He meets their strife with peace and meekness. He confronts this hatred that the Philistines have for him with patience and resilience. How often do we hold tightly to what we think is ours? This is my well. I dug this well. It's mine. We have a low view of God's provision when we feel the only way to maintain prosperity is meeting hate with hate. Accusation with accusation. See, the enemy has distracted men and women of God in our day. We're too quick to lash out in anger and respond with hate. We hurl accusation and in doing so, we deny peace and we break bonds of shalom. Humans are so territorial. We're so unforgiving. Our world is full of power-hungry men who take and take and take And we have whole groups of people who claim to be followers of Jesus who think the only way forward is to fight fire with fire. And in the coming year, we will have our next big national test. It's election season. It's coming. It's on the way. And watch carefully as pastors and preachers and prophets and evangelists and other leaders are given into the enemy's schemes. Beware of false teachers, as 2 Peter 2.17 says, that they are wells without water. And I'm giving a word of caution as we're talking about this today, as we're talking about this well of sitna, this well of accusation, this well of hatred, because if the enemy can't stop the water, he'll stop the access to the water. And so he'll start sowing hate, and he'll start sowing accusation. And if we're not on guard, and if we're not insecure in ourselves, then we'll say, oh, you hate me? Well, I hate you. You're accusing me? I'll accuse you. And we'll begin fighting on this level with the enemy, and we won't even realize it. And what we're doing is we're going to wells with no water there. It's dry. And so I've, I've watched it happening. Like I've seen it happening. And I'm, I'm not speaking negatively. I'm just speaking realistically so that we would be on guard and that we would stand in opposition and be resilient. People of Jesus practicing the way of Jesus, emulating the teachings of Jesus, because there's a different way. And we see in the life of Isaac, his character and his nature, one of peace, of meekness, of patience, of resilience. No backbiting. He says, listen, I'll dig another. 
because my God's the God of abundance. I'm not worried about you. You can't defeat my God. You think you have victory over me? My God's faith, he promised that he would prosper me. I'm going to be okay. Listen, we have over 2,000 years of church history of Christians who have navigated difficult world circumstances and maintain resiliency. It's nothing new that we're in today in 2023. We can go back to World War II where people were dying thousands by the hour. And that world war was preceded by a previous world war that was preceded by a pandemic in the early 1900s. The valley is not something new. Difficulty is not something new. Hatred and accusation and evil and humanity and territorialness and and unforgivingness is not something new in our world. And men and women of God have stood resiliently and dug well after well after well. I can't control what they're doing out there, but I can keep digging. I can keep praying. I can keep pressing into the word of God. I can keep worshiping. I can keep showing up at church. I can keep serving people. I can keep making room for the people who need room at my table. I can make my table bigger. I can invite more people into the kingdom of God. I can be a blessing to those around me. I can sow peace into the relationships around me. I can be loving. I can be kind. I can be compassionate. I can emulate the fruits of the spirit. I can keep digging. And so it's not the Jesus way. Resilience isn't being a bully. We serve a faithful God who keeps his promise. We see Isaac as resilient. He just keeps digging. And the more he digs, the more water he finds, the more hate he gets, so he keeps digging. And he keeps persevering until he's left alone. Finally, they just leave him alone. And he finds God's providence at work. And he finds this renewed confidence. See, Isaac paints a picture of the kind of character we should all have, the resiliency we should emulate. This is the way. It's the same we see Paul instruct the church of the church in Rome, at the end of Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, we read this, starting in verse 16. What does Paul tell the church in Rome? He says to them, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's what we see in Isaac 
It's what we see Paul instructing the church of Rome. Where does Paul get this mindset from? What example do we have in scripture? Remember, we're to find resiliency in calling upon the name of Jesus. What sort of example do we have from Jesus? We see Paul write about Jesus in Philippians chapter two, starting in verse three. It says this, and I'm going to read verses 3 all the way to 14. And I want us to grab a hold of this today because this is the posture that we're going to have as we keep digging. This is the posture that we're going to have when our, when our well gets dug in. This is the posture that we're going to have when we find ourselves in the valley where it says that uh, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being formed in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and work for his good pleasure. Let's read that final verse. Do all things without murmuring and arguing. And it says in verse 15, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. There's an opportunity for us to shine. The posture in which we dig the wells is for our benefit, for God's glory, and for the example towards other people to see there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference in them. There's a different way that they go about things. I don't see them murmuring and complaining and arguing over that well they just keep digging. I, I can't stop this person. I can't get them to be angry. I can't get them frustrated because they just keep digging. There's humility in them. There's a resiliency. And we shine like stars in the world. And so our world is full of division and hate. And if you're a Christian, you bear the name of Jesus. And that name has power and it carries weight. And I know many of you are like me, you're weary. And when weariness sets in, we can become complacent. We can get irritated. But it's in the weariness, we must continue to do that which is good. Keep digging. 
Pastor Mark will teach more on this next week when he talks about the third well. But in verse 25 of Genesis chapter 6, after, at, of Genesis chapter 26, it says that Isaac, after digging the well that the Philistines finally left alone, the well that Pastor Mark will talk next week, and I'm going to read this and we're going to read from John 17 and um, we're going to go into a time of worship. So we'll have the worship team come up. So it says in verse 25 of Genesis chapter 26, it says, Isaac, after digging the well that the Philistines finally left alone, it says, so he built an altar there. He called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. He called on the name of the Lord. He called his name. He called on the name of Jesus. He called his name. Called on the name of the Lord. I have the worship team come up. He called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent. He set up shop. And he called on the name of the Lord. Listen to me. Look at me, everyone. I know you found yourself in the valley. I know you found yourself in this, in maybe this dry place, in this weary place, in this difficult place. But see from the example of Isaac, who persevered and was resilient, called upon the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. It represents that he said, hey, look, I found a new home. And I'm just believing that God is leading you into a home in Jesus, that there's a home for each and every single one of you in the presence of God that you're gonna find, that you'll be able to pinch your tent where God has brought you as you keep digging, as you keep trusting, as you keep calling upon the name of the Lord. See, that well of Sitna, it's the well of accusation and hatred. And I just wonder if individually for you, if there's been some hatred and accusation thrown your way from the enemy. Matter of fact, I can go ahead and bet that that is the case because we have an enemy of our soul. And there's a couple of voices that we can give into when we're in this valley, when we're in this dry place, when we're in the desert, when we've been pushed out of the prosperous place that we were in, when our life circumstance changes. There's a voice, there's over here this accusation. It was your own fault. You messed it all up. You weren't faithful enough to God. You didn't believe him enough. You didn't pray hard enough. It's your sin. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Why would you ever keep digging? Put that shovel down. Go ahead and put it up. You're done. The well's dried up. The well's been stolen from you. You're not getting it back. It's my well now. You can't have it. That voice, it's in your ear. It's just talking. It's talking. I need you guys to get a picture today of what's going on in heaven right now. God saw that hatred towards humanity and amongst humanity. And he's been faithful every step of the way always has been can't stop his faithfulness he's God
And he put on skin and bones in the person of Jesus. And Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, death on a cross. And he was raised to life. And at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, every tongue confess that he's Lord to the glory of the Father. And Jesus prays this prayer right before he's about to get taken in. Right before he's about to be captured and tortured and he prays this prayer. I'm going to read a portion of it in John 17. He's praying to his Father in heaven. He's saying, I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you have given me, God. Because they are yours. All mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. And now, I am no longer in the world. But they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name. Protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. And while I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. You got to speak the name. And there's this accusation and hatred going on towards you. And it, we've got to tune out of that voice. And you've got to get the picture of, the, of what's happening right now in heaven. Because this Jesus that prayed this and this Jesus that we read about in Philippians 2, that God highly exalted and, and, and was humbled to death on a cross, this God in human form, this suffering Savior, this servant Savior, He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father and he's praying and he's interceding for you. And as this accusation and as this hatred is going on in your mind, there's, there's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's our friend Jesus, a friend like no other. There's our Savior Jesus and he's praying and he's crying. He's like, God, they're ours. God, be with them. God, save them. God, protect them. He's interceding at the right hand of the Father for each and every single one of you. And maybe this morning you would hear that. You would see that. You would, you would call yourself to believe that and you would lift up the name of Jesus and you'd speak the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Help me. Jesus, thank you for praying for me. Jesus, thank you that I have an advocate. Jesus, thank you I'm not in this valley all by myself. Jesus, thank you that you have plans and purposes for me. Jesus, help me to see it. Jesus, I need you. Jesus. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. We're going to respond and worship today in singing. And I'm going to allow the worship team to just lead us. And they're going to take us. And I'll come back at the end and we'll pray. 
You could stay seated for a moment. You could stand up and sing this as you feel led. This is your time to respond. This is a moment we've set aside. I told you there's an opportunity to encounter hope this morning. There's resilience found in the name of Jesus today. And I don't know how you came in, but I'm asking you to consider where you're at and consider lifting your eyes to Jesus, lifting your spirits to him, to inside your heart and your spirit and with your mouth, speak the name of Jesus today. And in him find hope, in him find salvation, in him find resilience, in him find freedom, in him find the deliverance that you need, the strength that you need to keep on digging. We speak the name of Jesus. So Father, I pray for each of your people here today. My friends, Lord, I pray for them, God. I pray for each and every single one of you. And God, I'm asking you that you would encounter them today with your love and your peace and your hope. And God, I'm asking you to move in their situation, God. And God, I'm asking you to bring an assurance, an assurance like Isaac had, an assurance in the covenant promises that you have towards your people. And so, God, I'm asking you to confront shame. I'm asking you to confront guilt. I'm asking you to confront the accusation of the enemies in their life this morning, Jesus. And God, as we worship and as we sing, Lord, I thank you for hope overflowing in this place. In your name. Amen. Let's sing.